no one was hurt there. But no officers have been charged for Taylor's death, and at least one of the officers involved has defended their actions. The jurors told us authorities never presented them with the option to consider indicting officers on more serious charges for Taylor's death, which left them feeling frustrated, disgusted, and even betrayed. Now, we're not revealing their identities at their request for their safety. They didn't give us the charges up front when they gave us all of that testimony over 20-something hours and then to say that these are the only charges that they're coming up with. It's like, well, what did we just sit through? And then to be told that we're not charging them with anything else, to me, it was a betrayal. So when you all look, juror one and two, and you're told that the only thing you need to consider right now is wanton endangerment, did anyone say, hey, is, are there any other options here? Did anybody, did either Everyone, of you say that? Almost the entire room. What was the answer that you were given? Basically, in a nutshell, they said there were other possible charges that we considered, but nothing that we could make stick. They never gave us the opportunity to deliberate on anything but the charges for Hinkleson. That was it. As a matter of fact, when they announced that those were the only charges, it was an uproar in that room. There was several more charges that could have gone forward on all of those officers, or at least the three shooters. Why is this so extraordinary, Kevin? Normally, the grand jurors are presented with the law and the charges so that they can listen to the facts with an open mind and apply those facts to the law, almost as a roadmap. What happened here? What happened here was it was done in the complete reverse. What stands out to you the most? From a legal perspective, it looked like they weren't following the grand jurors, and they only wanted the grand jurors to follow them, which is contrary to the actual rule. Grand juror number one and number two say what prompted them to ultimately speak out was that press conference held by Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron which they insist falsely represented their position on potential indictments for the officers involved in Breonna Taylor's death. While there are six possible homicide charges under Kentucky law, these charges are not applicable to the facts before us because our investigations show and the grand jury agreed that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified in the return of deadly fire. When he stated that there were six possible murder charges, and that uh, the grand jury had agreed that, the, that those didn't apply. The first time I heard the word six possible murder charges was in that news conference. It wasn't presented to you no, in the not grand jury to us. deliberations? No. no. And personally, when I do something, I take responsibility for it. We had not done that. I really felt that this was all camera. This was up to him. We didn't get a choice in that at all. So I was livid. By the time I heard what he was saying, everything that came out of his mouth, I was saying liar because we didn't agree to anything. We never met Cameron. You've never met Attorney General Cameron? No, we never met him. He never discussed anything with us. I think many people will be very surprised to hear that they had no contact with Attorney General Cameron whatsoever. I agree. If you watch the press conference, it seemed clear from the wording uh, that Mr. Cameron was implying that he played a larger role in the actual presentation. Is that normally how it works? Well, the attorney general in, in Kentucky doesn't normally present cases uh, to the grand jury. Uh, but I think to answer your question, Gail, generally the, the highest person in the office would at least come introduce themselves to the grand jurors. Do either of you think there was enough evidence to present charges of 
murder, attempted murder, manslaughter? Yes, I think there was. Yeah, I mean, just all of the evidence there. As we were listening to it, we were sure this was leading up to something like that. Among the evidence the grand jury heard from the night of the raid was a 911 call from Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. He says he fired a warning shot at who he thought were intruders. Officers returned fire with 32 bullets. 911, operator Harris, where is their emergency? talking to him, he, he said, why would I call 911 if I thought it was the police? That resonated with me because he didn't know who it was that was coming in. You know, he had no idea. You could hear the distress. Everything about what he said was believable. It made sense all the way through. You found him credible? Yes. Uh, totally believable. Did you find the police credible? No. No, there, there are too many inconsistencies in their story. Now I understand that, you know, in in a situation like that, you may not remember, but I didn't find their testimony credible. What was your understanding about what happened that night? It was a mess. There, it didn't seem to me that there was any organization or almost any leadership um, in the whole operation. From the evidence that I heard, this thing started out downhill to begin with. You don't need seven cops to go up to somebody's door and knock on the, and say, you know, we're here to do an investigation at one o'clock in the morning. They kept going downhill from there. It was one mistake right after the other one, right after the other one. They covered it up. That's what the evidence that I saw. And I felt like there should have been lots more charges on that. They covered it up. Now, later this morning, former Louisville officer Brett Hankinson is scheduled to be in court for a pretrial hearing on the wanton endangerment charges that he's facing. We did, by the way, reach out to Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. He did not give us a new statement, but last month he did tell a local Fox affiliate if the jurors had wanted to make an assessment about different charges, they could have done that. The jurors, as you see, uh, disagree yeah, with that. They, they didn't get that aware of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, juror number one is white, juror number two is black, and it was juror number one who was so upset that reached out to attorney Kevin Bogauer because he said, I don't know what to do with this. This yeah. is so frustrating. Well, you can understand why they were livid oh, yeah. at the attorney general's yes. comment. Yeah, they were being told that they went along with something that they clearly did not. And that's what upset them. It took them, they said, a minute, under two minutes to deliberate on the charges because all they had to consider yeah. were the wanton endangerment. We'll talk more with them at 8 o'clock about the toll that it's taken. But you, can you, you can obviously, this is just two members of the grand yes. jury, we should say, but they had a very different conclusion. than. But, Anthony, I did ask, do you think other jurors feel this way? They said, look, we can't speak for other yeah. jurors, but there was an uproar in the room that yeah. everybody was unanimous, unanimous in their anger about yeah. the decision. But, well, we don't presume to speak for those other jurors yeah. either, but we, it's very clear these jurors mm -hmm. were not represented in, the, in what the attorney general said. Very interesting. Incredible interview. One of the officers at the scene, Brett Hankinson, was fired and charged with wanton endangerment for shooting at the apartment next door. No one was hurt there. But no officers have been charged for Taylor's death, and at least one of the officers involved has defended their actions. The jurors told us authorities never presented them with the option to consider indicting officers on more serious charges for Taylor's death, which left them feeling frustrated, disgusted, and even betrayed. Now, we're not revealing their identities at their request for their safety. They didn't give us 
the charges up front when they gave us all of that testimony over 20 something hours and then to say that these are the only charges that they're coming up with it's like what did we just sit through and then to be told that we're not charging them with anything else to me it was a betrayal so when you all look juror one and two and you're told that the only thing you need to consider right now is wanton endangerment did anyone say hey is, are there any other options here? Did anybody, did either Everyone, of you say that? Almost the entire room. What was the answer that you were given? Basically, in a nutshell, they said there were other possible charges that we considered, but nothing that we could make stick. They never gave us the opportunity to deliberate on anything but the charges for Hinkelson. That was it. As a matter of fact, when they announced that those were the only charges, it was an uproar in that room. There was several more charges that could have gone forward on all of those officers, or at least the three shooters. Why is this so extraordinary, Kevin? Normally, the grand jurors are presented with the law and the charges so that they can listen to the facts with an open mind and apply those facts to the law, almost as a roadmap. What happened here? What happened here was it was done in the complete reverse. What stands out to you the most? From a legal perspective, it looked like they weren't following the grand jurors, and they only wanted the grand jurors to follow them, which is contrary to the actual rule. Grand juror number one and number two say what prompted them to ultimately speak out was that press conference held by Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, which they insist falsely represented their position on potential indictments for the officers involved in Breonna Taylor's death. While there are six possible homicide charges under Kentucky law, these charges are not applicable to the facts before us because our investigation showed and the grand jury agreed that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified in the return of deadly fire. When he stated that there were six possible murder charges and that uh, the grand jury had agreed that, the, that those didn't apply, the first time I heard the word six possible murder charges was in that news conference. It wasn't presented to you no, in the not grand jury to us. deliberations? No. no. And personally, when I do something, I take responsibility for it. We had not done that. I really felt that this was all camera. This was up to him. We didn't get a choice in that at all. So I was livid. By the time I heard what he was saying, everything that came out of his mouth, I was saying liar because we didn't agree to anything. We never met Cameron. You've never met Attorney General Cameron? No, we never met him. He never discussed anything with us. I think many people will be very surprised to hear that they had no contact with Attorney General Cameron whatsoever. Uh, I agree. If you watch the press conference, it seemed clear from the wording uh, that Mr. Cameron was implying that he played a larger role in the actual presentation. Is that normally how it works? Well, the attorney general in, in Kentucky doesn't normally present cases uh, to the grand jury. Uh, but I think to answer your question, Gail, generally the, the highest person in the office would at least come introduce themselves to the grand jurors. Do either of you think there was enough evidence to present charges of murder, attempted murder, manslaughter? Yes, I think there was. Yeah, I mean, just all of the evidence there. As we were listening to it, we were sure this was leading up to something like that. Among the evidence the grand jury heard from the night of the raid was a 911 call from Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. He says he fired a warning shot at who he thought were intruders. Officers returned fire with 32 bullets. 